Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. Loudly declaring the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we are wasting here, waiting for his cleansing return, because the end is where we begin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. We are your hosts, Aaron and Matthew Miller and Joe Musidla. Uh, we're all getting in the saddle tonight to push the envelope just quite simply as far as it can go. So to start off this diatribe, uh, Joe is going to jump in here and share with us some, well, some very ominous signs taking place in the heavens. So, Joe, the mic is yours. Let's get straight to it. All right. Um, let's this this one uh, caught me. Just uh, well, gosh, it just they just put this up a little bit ago. This was uh, an article from uh, National Geographic, and let's see, a giant star is acting strange, and astronomers are buzzing. Uh, the red giant Betelgeuse is the dimmest seen in years, prompting some speculation that the star is about to explode. Here's what we know. Uh, see, the constellation Orion is one of the most recognizable uh, patterns in the night sky visible around the world. But if you're looking at Orion recently and thought something seemed off, you're not wrong. The red, the I'm sorry, the giant red star Betelgeuse is, uh, will, let's see, will marks the hunter's right shoulder, which marks the hunter's right shoulder, is the dimmest it's been in almost a century. Normally, uh, Betelgeuse is among the 10 brightest uh, stars in the sky. However, the red giant began dimming in October, and by mid-December, the star had faded so much it wasn't even in the top 20. Uh, Villanova University, Edward, uh, see, oh my goodness, I was Gunan, Gainan, uh, reported that the astronomer's uh, telegram uh, now the uh, outline of Ryan is noticeably different with Betelgeuse so faint. He says, uh, see how many constellations you can identify. Oh, that's something else there. Uh, to be clear, dimming alone isn't all that odd for a star like Betelgeuse. It's, uh, it's what's known as a variable star, and it shifts in brightness. Uh, have been closely studied for de- decades. However, it is unusual for one of the sky's most prominent points of light to fade so noticeably, uh, prompting scientists to consider the possibility that something more exciting could be about to happen. Uh, Betelgeuse might explode and die briefly, blazing brighter than the full moon uh, before vanishing from our night sky forever. Uh, see, huge red stars like Betelgeuse lie... Uh, live fast and die violently exploding in stellar events called supernovae um, that are visible across vast distances. So while Betelgeuse is a relatively young star, uh, and they give it a a date of uh, about 8.5 million years old, astronomers know that it is nearing the end of its life. The biggest question now is when it will explode in a supernova. You see... um, Berkeley's uh, Saffron, Saffron, 
Safina Safina Nance, who studies um, Beetlejuice and Stellar Explosion, said on Twitter, disclaimer, I don't think it's going to explode anytime soon. She added during the interview with National Geographic, but I'm excited for when it does. Um, And the article kind of goes on about uh, what we know about Beetlejuice, uh, when it could occur, uh, and just gives uh, some more uh, information here as far as uh, when it was discovered and, and the uh, fluctuating luminosity and uh, all that. But uh, this was, uh, well, this brought some different things to my mind. Um, let me go here. Ezekiel 30. Um, let's see, what did I have? 32. Uh, let's see, let me look at it really quick. Oh, I have 30. Oh, 24. Let me cruise down here. I knew there was a two in there somewhere. Okay. For I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand, and I will break the arms of Pharaoh so that he will groan before him with the groaning of a wounded man. Thus, I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, but the arms of Pharaoh will fall. Then they will know what I am, that I am the Lord, when I put my sword in the hand of the king of Babylon, and he stretches it out against the land of Egypt. When I scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them among the lands, then they will know that I am the Lord. Um, this was also Zechariah, let's see, eleven seventeen. Screws down. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword will be on his arm, and on his right eye, his arm will be totally withered, and his right eye will be blind. So it, it brought those verses to mind. Um, and I, well, this this kind of my thought is. You know, he, he talks about this in Ezekiel. Um, is this sign uh, realistically? To me, this is a a, a warning to uh, well Egypt, or well, he says that the earth will be like Sodom and Egypt. So to me, this is a dire warning to Egypt. Uh, this sign that's been in the heavens. Uh, Matthew, I know you were going to talk about, it almost seems the opposite end of the spectrum here. Uh, I think the other sign that we saw uh, or that has been noticed was in, uh, and I might be getting mixed up here, and I do apologize that uh, it was in Ophiuchus or close to that, but uh, it, it just makes me think of, of kind of a pode and an antipode, uh, if you will, of, of two different signs. Uh, showing, I guess, uh, both sides here. Well, no, uh, the one I'm going to talk about is not in Ophiuchus, the sign of the restrainer, but it is the target. It, it is what the king of Babylon is going to target. And, and let me just say this. Uh, I realize that I haven't really talked about this publicly, that one of those chapters that Joe just read, one of those verses, uh, this is prophetically, of course, the scattering to the new world. He plainly says that Egypt will be scattered amount amongst the nations. 
this is when we populated the new world. Um, but yes, and, and this has everything isochronally speaking. Uh, that's why, well, the new world is doomed. <laughs> uh, uh, Mundus Novus is is going to be taken out. It's it's going to be burned. So that that basically means one third of this planet. So yes, Revelation is really telling you the truth. The new world. Uh, please look it up in any uh, uh, geography atlas. The new world is one third of the surface area of this planet. So, with that in mind, we, if given a sign like this, you would need to look for ways that, well, God would give you exactly what Joe said, both ends of the spectrum. And we have exactly this, because released uh, just a few days ago, on December the 23rd, uh, we have this very strange halo around a pulsar, and of course the sign of the twins, and the sign of Gemini. Now, now, please take note that this sign is the sign of the twins. Uh, one of them represents Primus Ascendemos, and one represents Primus Resurrexerit, of course, as the uh, the tale uh, with uh, Castor and Pollux plainly states. Um, we know that one of the uh, brothers uh, is dying, and he's offered, well, you know, God offers him, what's the deal? Right there, you have the entire story of Primus Ascendemos and Primus Resurrexerit. But uh, this is a pulsar uh, in the constellation of the twins. And, well, let me just read a little bit of it here. Uh, astronomers have been watching a nearby pulsar with a strange halo around it. That pulsar might answer a question that's puzzled astronomers for some time. The pulsar is named Gaminga and is one of the nearest pulsars to Earth about 800 light years away in the constellation Gemini. Not only is it close to Earth, but Gaminga is also very bright in gamma rays. The halo itself is invisible to our eyes, obviously, since it's in the gamma wavelengths. But it's large, covering so much of the sky as 40 full moons. Now, this particular star emanating a detectable gamma field that covers the same view as 40 full moons is absolutely off the hook. Uh, let me read a little bit more. The halo might be responsible for some goings-on in our own neighborhood. There's an abundance of antimatter near Earth, and its presence has puzzled scientists for a decade. So we'll just end that right there. So we have some seriously strange things going on, and, and this being very, very close to Earth in the constellation of the twins is disturbing indeed. Prophetically speaking, you could say that, well, one of these brothers are in the process of being born. Uh, so absolutely off the hook, everything covered. Uh, and it, 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 it makes you go hum. Look, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord your God has told you that he is riding the swift cloud uh, to, uh, well, ground zero. That's what he meant, and that's what he's going to do. So, with that in mind, uh, we should look for evidences of an uh, incoming uh, superwave. And 
what's being described here very well could fit the bill because we don't know what that's going to look like. But it would seem that shock waves are hitting nearby celestial objects. That's not good. It could also signal the approach of the fallen in mass. Now, take note. I'm going to read this one more time. The halo might be responsible for some goings-on in our own neighborhood. There is an abundance of antimatter near Earth, and its presence has puzzled scientists for a decade. Ladies and gentlemen, is this mass of antimatter, is this the gathering of the fall? So, with those things in mind... Absolutely off the hook, everything that's, that's <laughs> that, that we just covered in the heavens. It should rattle your cage. It really should. So, uh, now that I've had my comments, Joe, what do you think about that? I, what if we really are witnessing one of two events? The approach of he who sitteth upon the throne or the approach of the fallen as they descend? What's your thoughts? Yeah, um, gosh, e e either one. It seems um, it seems that we're uh, trying to detect each one. Uh, this is almost uh, well. It, it makes I, you know, I it makes me wonder about the fallen. Um, and I'm just saying this, and I'm not trying to go into conspiracy land or anything. Um, we just had uh, the signing of the new Space Force. So, to me, any force needs to, there has to be something, some sort of threat that is approaching or known or, you know, I, it, it, they don't really give a clear-cut answer as to why. It just seems kind of out of the blue. Um, now, I'm not trying to take it anywhere. It just... It makes me kind of wonder if the you know if that there is some preparation uh for uh well in incursion um the other part also could very well be uh this galactic superwave as well um or both together you know i'm I'm just kind of throwing out just what's in my melon um it, it could be both one is literally on the heels of the other um, you know I, I'm not 100% sure but uh, you know it's one of those things that we're going to have to watch uh, there was another article that uh, I was looking at and I haven't got a chance to really dissect it I did post it on Facebook but I was wanting to spend a little more time looking at it it was talking uh, looking at a, a galaxy that uh, it almost looks like it sheared off uh, an immense amount of energy. So I'm I'm kind of curious if, if this was a sign so that we would have an idea of what to look at as well. So, um, you know, a lot of different things to, to look at and, and try and uh, digest right at the moment. And, well, uh, as, as the uh, coming weeks or days or whatever we have. So that's kind of where, where my thoughts are at. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of where this, this, episode is going. Uh, just randomly uh, tonight, uh, being, of course, New Year's, uh, dropped off uh, some of the kids at a, a get-together, 
and me and Aaron were driving back, and he just randomly starts, uh, well, commenting about about a very strange instance. And uh, to be perfectly honest with everybody, I don't remember, and this was just moments ago, I mean, what, what an hour ago, at most an hour ago, um, I can't remember what started the conversation. I think that Aaron just may have randomly brought this up, but this is key critical. If we have heavy inbound, now, now, let's take a minute for that to sink into your skulls. Let's just say for a moment, we actually have heavy inbound. That being the case, what are they going to do? Well, the Lord your God is no respecter of persons, so he'll come right out and tell you what's coming. Now, unfortunately, if you need a hint, you don't have a clue. And you just need to brace for impact. You've probably entertained yourselves to death, really. So just take a deep breath and try to digest what the Lord your God tells you, because he makes himself perfectly clear what the fallen is going to do, what they do when they fall. So this is detailed in Jeremiah chapter 8. It's not, not any secret. Uh, it's been talked about on multiple programs uh, by myself multiple times. So any of my regular listeners should know full well about Jeremiah chapter 8 and exactly what they're going to do. But nobody realizes that, well, this has biblical precedence. And it has biblical precedence in very strange ways. So, Aaron, why don't you describe how this topic come up and uh, the chapters involved? Uh, where did this thought come from, or, or maybe I was talking about it, I, I really can't remember, so uh, Aaron, you have the mic. Uh, well, I remember that I, I, I main statement that I had was are the ten kings of the book of Revelation, are they the same as the Illuminati, or is the Illuminati just a conspiracy theory? Um, we came to the conclusion that they uh, are probably not the Illuminati. They're probably something else. But um, with uh, with those statements, he, he brought up how in Jeremiah, I'm, I'm not sure the exact passage, um, my dad will have to uh, tell that, but like how, how um, the ancestors of these kings would have to bring out their bones to the stars of heaven, the host of heaven, quote-unquote, what um the the uh just to prove what they their ancestry we assume because we of course dna can be uh, uh the oldest dna that we've ever been able to recover was from bone samples um this was how we solved the anastasia pro um um uh what was the the Anastasia mystery. They, they 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 found the answer through like bones. So that being said, um, we we see now with the forensic studies that we that are now present in our day that we're not in, in the time of this when the scripture is being written. Um, what this means by the ancestors' bones being brought out towards the host of heaven, uh, it refers to the. Uh, well, the proving genetically your descent from someone. Um, so, so Dad, what's the reference for that? Jeremiah chapter eight. That's right. 
So then I brought up how in Second uh, Kings, uh, let me bring that up. Second Kings chapter twenty-three, Josiah the king of Judah, he was he came about and he took all the bones of that area of all the people in the graves of that area and burned them on the altar defiling it quote unquote this was prophesied by a prof- by um an unnamed prophet in 1 Kings chapter 13 uh verse 2 and so Josiah he came and burned the bones on the altar and all except for the bones of that prophet who prophesied his coming. And so I so I pointed out perhaps I pointed out the messianic proportions of this. So this is, you know, Christ um you know in a sense, you know, of course Josiah was of the tribe of Judah and everything, uh, a descendant of David. So he comes up and starts destroying the bones of these people and this and this was like if I remember right, there was like hundreds of years between the prophecy of his birth in First Kings to his actual fulfillment of the prophecy in Second uh, Kings. So, like, uh, but this prophet in First Kings chapter thirteen, verse two, literally gave Josiah's name. He gives his name. So, without a doubt, this Josiah is the fulfillment of the prophecy. And really, I was I was just thinking. So what Josiah was really fulfilling by destroying these bones was he destroying the chance of those people's descendants of proving themselves to these fallen angels in the future. And uh, in First Kings chapter thirteen, verse two, it goes specifically to say it is the priests of the high places he will sacrifice on the altar. So these these people are these are the bones of the priests, and that would make sense too because these are the people specifically making blood packs with these angels, correct? That's right, absolutely correct. And so, um, something I want to point out about what you guys said about the significance of those signs, I'm just going to throw out a little bit of history about the about those two signs mentioned here. Uh, Orion is known as the giant throughout history. He was called the giant. He was, uh, in Aramaic, the name of the constellation is Nephil, where we get our word Nephilim. It's, he, was, he was known as the giant or the Nephilite in the sky. And Gemini, another thing, is, is very interesting because some sources will tell you that the, that, Castor and Flux were twin brothers, and some will say one was born from Zeus, was the son of Zeus, and another was the son of uh, their mother's actual husband. So, but this is actually to study on this. This is possible for a even though this is extremely rare, it's possible to for a woman to have twins, and each of the two children have different fathers. Any thoughts on this? I mean, like Zeus. I mean, we're saying. I mean, with this, with this, with this implication, uh, if this actually was a real incident, we would say that Zeus represents a fallen entity, an, an angel. 
having a child with a, a human woman as well. And this Nephilite child has a human brother in the womb with him. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, this this should not uh, be too strange because, uh, well, twins can be born this way. That simply uh, during uh, the woman's uh, monthly menstruation, she she passes two eggs. So normally, if she is a wife of but one husband, of course, both eggs will be inseminated by the one person. However, if she's a harlot, it's very possible that the eggs could be uh, inseminated by different uh, paternal parents. So, yes, this is all possible. And uh, prophetically speaking, uh, this is certainly... Uh, you have to come to grips with, well, primus assassin demos and primus resurrection. One being, well, children, uh, babes, and the other being, well, born from the tomb. Primus assassin demos, their brothers being born from the womb. So it's those born from the womb and those born from the tomb. So, yeah, the God has used this this the symbolism uh, with the mythology. Uh, literally for 6,000 years. So, uh, yes, uh, it's off the hooks with its implications, but people just don't see it because they've been, well, they've been entertained uh, by movies like The Omen. Um, you know, so so they're literally all waiting for Damien, even though that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say that. Well, I actually want to, um, um, I don't know if this, this really has some relevance, but when uh, I, I like to write my own fiction here and there, and I was actually writing about a, a story about, you know, a, a possible theory that the false prophets will be, um, would be the, would have a brother that was uh, actually turned out to be one of the two witnesses. This, this, I think we might have brought this up in a, an idea of this in another show of how there could have been a third witness that fell. Oh, so, no, 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 um, no, no. No, we did a whole show on that, on Christian conspiracy theory. There's a whole show on that, that the false prophet may be the third witness, yeah, and their brothers. Yeah, we, we did a whole show on that. So I, I, this is actually why I know so much about this um, this this Gemini type thing, how one could have been actually a Nephilite and one of them could have been a human. And I don't know if that has any significance there, but like, like, is that possible that, that perhaps this is in a sense, a sign what you're seeing in the sky, uh, perhaps could this be a sign of the birth of the false prophet or something? Well, I just – I stated that myself. When I read the article, I, I said this very well could be the sign that somebody has been conceived. Now, we all have to realize that uh, Primus Ascendemos, they are two years and under. So either the first of them were just conceived, the Matrix Moshe'im, either they've just been conceived, or unfortunately the false prophet has been conceived, and – this goes back to our last Christian conspiracy theory we just recorded, even though nobody's heard it yet. It's going to take it a while to get on the Fringe Radio Network because we're only doing these on Sundays. So, I mean, we've got several to catch up with. But, look, everybody needs to come to grips with this. 
you you just have to come to grips with with what we're talking about here. These things are real, and timing is everything. And this could be a sign that something was just conceived, whether good or bad. So we have to realize that, well, what about the second incursion? And my son brought this up on the last show, and he mentioned uh, one person. And I challenged him. We had a diatribe there, and, and this is the simple fact that, well, it is quite possible. This is what – look, ladies and gentlemen, you have to come to grips with, with the truth. Every mother has stem cells from every baby. Okay? So what if a good uh, noble wife – what if a good noble wife – well, what if she was raped by a Nephilim? Well, what if she never did anything wrong and she had good children before the rape? You know, what if everything was kind of kosher that way? She never actually did anything wrong. And that's how this corrupted seed endured the flood. We don't know. This much is true. Every mother does have stem cells from every baby that she's carried. You, you just have to accept it. That is true. And if she got raped... It was no wrong of hers. So some things you just have to come to grips with. So uh, with that in mind, uh, it could be very prophetic. But like I said, on the other side of the fence, this is a prophetic way of God telling you that uh, one brother uh, will be born from the womb. One brother will be born from the tomb. And it is with these two births that he shall rule the nations with this rod of iron comprised of Ezekiel's two sticks. You're, you're just going to have to accept it. Well, there's another thing. Uh, another thing about this. I mean, another implication possibly is Thomas. I mean, if you... Um, uh, in the scripture, he's always called the twin. And, of course, you see in apocryphal texts, specifically the Gnostics, they they interpreted him as literally being the twin brother of Jesus, the, uh, the, the, you know, fleshly, you know, rather more fleshly brother of the, of Jesus. Now, I mean, I know we can't really say this cause that would, that would say that, that Thomas was literally divine, but we have other explanations of it. How, uh, my dad has reached the conclusion that perhaps Thomas was born when the ghost comet appeared. Have you ever done a show on this? Yes, I certainly have. Um, we have this down okay. concrete. Yeah, we, we... Okay, so, so, so in short, Jesus was, from our studies, Jesus was born when Halley's Comet appeared in on 12 BC. Two years later, the Chinese record that Halley's Comet seemed to have reappeared in, in the form of what they called the Ghost Comet. And this, this we, we would say, would, would in a sense be a twin. You can see this in, with textual evidence in the scriptures. Matthew chapter uh, 2 says that, implies that two years after the Magi had seen the star, they come out of Jerusalem and then they see the star again. And it's, it's very clear. It says that they rejoiced when, exceedingly when they saw it. Why? Because they saw it again, and that was technically impossible. And, and who of all people would know this? 
but of course the Magi, because they were astronomers. This is what they did. They knew what comets were supposed to appear in the sky and when. And that was that was probably what stood out so so powerfully to them that that, that this was truly a sign of God. But when so so perhaps Jesus's twin brother um, Thomas, perhaps he was born when this second star appeared two da- two years after his birth. So uh, perhaps this sign this sign in Gemini, the twins, is some sort of uh, echo of this. Well, you you're very correct. We we could have a celestial event going on and two years from now we could have another celestial event going on. And that could make these prophetic the births that occur under these signs they could be prophetically brethren. Absolutely. Yes, that could absolutely be the case. So, uh, but also how I pointed out how O'Brien is the representation of the Nephilim in the sky. Right. Is the giant. Right, it is the giant. Not only that, what is he striking? He is striking the lion's whelp. That's that's plainly what has always been in Orion's hands that he's striking with a club. It's it's a lion. It's a lion's cub. So, yes, um, literally speaking, Orion is the sign of the false prophet. Uh, yeah, I've stated this. Well, before I went to an institution of higher learning, I, I've been stating this since high school, actually. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. The sign of the strike is most certainly... Uh, the sign of the false prophet. So, uh, people need to brush up on their celestial somology. Uh, but we've been going on for quite a stretch here. Um, let's get Joe's uh, comments or counter comments, because he can certainly uh, take Aaron or I uh, to task if he chooses to do so. I mean, we don't have to agree. So, uh, Joe can certainly uh, contest what we've stated. And then uh, we have also uh, brought on Ben Lawrence, uh, so we need to get his opening comments and uh, perhaps bringing up bring him up to speed. But uh, Joe, you have the mic. All right, this was um, this was an article that came to mind that you had posted. Speaking of uh, these twins, um, and this was in I just had to pull up on my phone. My, Anyways, uh, scientists behind world's first gene-edited babies uh, sentenced to prison. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see, the, the court confirms that two women became pregnant with gene-edited babies, and that in total three have been born. Um, so I, this kind of this makes me wonder if this also can come into play as well with with uh, these signs. It just seemed, uh, well, these two signs and then this article, to me, seemed to kind of, well, kind of weave themselves together. So I'm not saying, you know, this is it, but it was just, in my mind, this was a possibility of, of, of exactly what uh, you guys were talking about. Not that uh, I'm I'm against anything that you said. It was just something that, that uh, came to my mind, and, and I thought I'd throw it in there and... Maybe we could mix that into or mix it around. But, yeah, you're or not. 
Yeah, no, no, you're talking about a Christian conspiracy theory that that, that me and Aaron did. Um, prophetically speaking, it was just in your face. You don't have to like it, ladies and gentlemen. These people have already been prosecuted. They really did genetically alter eggs and plant them in women, yes, in vitro fertilization, and they were born. This article admits this happened three different times. These would be three brothers. Now, Aaron and I wasn't expecting this when we recorded that episode of Christian Conspiracy Theory. Neither one of us have to like it, but prophetically speaking, uh, well, this would play in exactly to that episode that the uh, two witnesses may be brothers and this false prophet may be a brother of theirs. You don't have to like it, but what are these children? And I've stated this many, 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 many times. What makes the Lord's axe strike? Why does he invade the beautiful land? You better take this to the bank. Whether you like it or not, Israel has always been, not today, always, it's always been the in vitro capital of the world. Now, nobody likes Jews. Everybody hates Jews. And we're having a serious flare-up of this, I guess, in New York City. But you need to consider this. What happens if somebody just trumped up some false information and released fake news saying that um, uh, all of these hospitals in Israel had uh, had in vitro fertilized all these unknowing women only with Jewish seed? Oh, then you'd have a war on your hands. Uh, then everybody would have a hook in their jaw. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The Muslim world would go ape. There would be no stopping them. There would be no stopping them. Now, you know, this is an unfortunate string of facts mixed with some theories. But if you wanted the world to go to war against Israel, just look it up. Look it up. Where's the in vitro capital of the world? If you can't get pregnant, where do you go to get pregnant? That's right. No other place. Where do all the Muslims go? That's right. Muslims, Presbyterians, Hare Krishna. Yeah, everybody. If you're having problems having a baby and you want a baby, you go to Israel. Yeah, you go to the land of the promise. That's where you go. And if somebody was to trump up some fake news that the Jews had inseminated all these unsuspecting women with Jewish seed, oh, we'd be going to war, and we'd be going to war right now. So, disconnect yourself from the entertainment in industry. Uh, we may ha be having some serious problems um, <laughs> that's real live and late breaking. So, you know, I, I, I know what I'm saying. Uh, it could be throttling you, but look these things up. So, let's get uh, Ben Lawrence on and uh, get his opening comments and or questions about what we have been discussing since before he was able to get on. So, uh, Ben, you have the mic. Hey, guys. Uh, Happy New Year's Eve. I hope you all are safe. Um, what, what are we talking about? We had uh, opened up with some ominous signs in the heavens, uh, some pretty big news items that come out then. 
uh, Aaron brought the simple fact that uh, this could be uh, pertaining to to the false prophet. So we read there 1 Kings 13 uh, when the prophecy is given by the unnamed prophet that there's going to be a guy named Josiah and he's going to burn the prophets, right? Well, 2 Kings 23 rolls around and that's exactly, you know, years and years and years later, Josiah does. He goes into the tombs. Now, he don't burn the priest. He goes in and takes all the burns or all of the bones, and burns them. Now, this is obviously got something to do with Jeremiah chapter 8, when the fallen, when they get here, they demand proof of the pyre. Now, um, this is just, everybody needs to realize what a pyre is. It is, you know, traditionally called a funeral pyre, but it, it normally it was done with burning. They would burn the bones. But, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's do this really quick. I mean, I've done it a hundred times, and, well, I might as well read it a hundred thousand more. Uh, just so everybody knows what, what's really going to happen. Jeremiah chapter 8. Now, now, listen, this has got nothing to do with the Omen series. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No Antichrist here. There's the Spirit of Antichrist, which there are many. Now, now we know the Bible says that, but sorry, no, no Antichrist that says the false prophet. Okay, and we know that uh, beyond any shadow of doubt, uh, one third of the host of heaven fall. Now, I know that's scary, but that's real. That's real. You're not going to be raptured. No, no, no. Just think of the inversion of that. The host of heaven, they come down and they get caught in a snare. So. Literally, Isaiah chapter 24 tells you that, no, it's actually the opposite. You go nowhere. It is the fallen that come down. And guess what? They can't go back up to heaven. Why? Well, you all know that Michael and the good guys make war with them, and they can't go back up Jacob's ladder. So this is the Lord comes right out and tells you what happens when they get here. So Jeremiah chapter 8, now we are reading out of the New American Standard Bible. At that time declares the Lord. They will bring out the bones of the kings of Judah, and the bones of the princes, and the bones of the priests, and the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem from their graves. They will spread them out to the sun, the moon, and to all the host of heaven, which they have loved, and which they have served, and which they have gone after, and which they have sought, and which they have worshipped. They will not be gathered or buried. They will be as dung on the face of the ground. And death will be chosen rather than life by all the remnant that remains of this evil family that remains in all the places which I have driven them, declares the Lord of hosts. Now, earlier, Joe was very pointed to bring out to you Ezekiel when it states that where is Egypt going to be scattered? Everywhere and prophetically, the elders knew a long, 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 long time ago that this was probably in reference to the new world being colonized. Mundus Novus. Please look it up. It comprises one-third. That's exactly what Revelation is talking about that gets nuked. Okay, let's use some entertainment etymology for everybody. You all know what nuked means, right? Well, the book of Revelation says that one-third of all the trees get burned. 
One third of all the grass. Yeah, it's talking about one third of the planet. That's exactly the amount that Mundus Novus comprises. That's the New World. That's you. That's North America, Central America, South America. One third. That's one third of the entire planet is Mundus Novus, the New World. So this is what happens, and obviously this is something that must be proven. There must be pyre proof that the fallen demands. They got to see uh, some genetic material. Now, take note, this is in reference to them taking wives, right? They don't take genetic samples from anybody. Did you catch that? Yeah. They don't take genetic samples from the people. They demand that the people bring out the bones of their ancestors to prove whether they have the right to rule. Now, this is well, this will rattle your cage. So, uh, at any rate, uh, Ben, that's a that's a short synopsis. Well, I have a few comments. Uh, first, with respect to bones, if you um, are looking at ancient DNA, the first place you would go and look for it would be in the marrow in the bone, right? Uh, to your point, um, second thing that immediately comes to mind is is that when we talk about the two witnesses and the false prophet, I mean, as above, so below. So you have three, and a third of that three, which would be the false prophet, is fallen. And you see that same fractology, isochronology, as, as we often like to say, with a third of the world, or uh, the new world, um, being burned. Um, that's all saying the same thing. It's all the same concept or same idea. I agree. Uh, yes, it does. And, uh, you know, I just did a post on this not too long ago. Uh, the simple fact that some news articles was released. And uh, unfortunately, well, uh, the mark of the beast may literally be uh, them taking genetic material and injecting it right into the bone marrow. Uh, because, you know, we well, I plainly shared that uh, that publicly that this is literally what happens with uh, with people uh, with leukemia. They can get bone marrow transplants, and well, what literally happens is is that your DNA uh, you're hoping that your DNA changes. It becomes the DNA of the donor. Nobody expected this to affect the sperm. Well, guess what, everybody. I posted this on Facebook, so you might want to look it up. Uh, and I published a post on this on according to the scripture.wordpress.com. Go read it. You don't have to like it. So uh, yeah. wait a second. So so the it said that only the sperm cells turned into the DNA of the donor, right? They didn't give a complete a, a complete list. It's just that yeah, his sperm had turned into the donor's DNA. So literally if speaking, so, then then you could have then you could have human males having nephrite children. Exactly. If you gave them the, if you gave them the angels DNA. Well, isn't that what's happening in generations two, three, four, five, six, and seven? Is literally that. Um, and that's exactly where you would expect it is in the faster, um, you know, different cells in your body replicate at different rates. So 
uh, sperm uh, is going to change much quicker. And, and actually, women are actually born with their entire genetic, uh, all of their eggs. Uh, so you would not see that in, in on the female side, but you would see it on the male side, um, where you could you could literally see a juxtaposition of the of that genetic material. And every few days, um, you would get another round of that of that change. Where the female, there would never be any change because they're born with all all of their eggs. Right. It's like exactly. What would you like? What would you call that? Why? Why? Ultimately, I mean, like me and my dad did a show on this about the clothing. How? Um, are you all familiar with that show? Yeah, I've seen. I've heard it. Yeah. It was yeah. A good show. Okay, so, so, so the idea of that was that um, an angel. When they take a human wife, the wife gains some of the DNA of the angel, and she becomes what is called a cloven. She seems to gain some sort of genetic identity that isn't really you couldn't really call entirely human anymore. And if you do that to them to a male, like this, this like putting this in the bone marrow and doing that, it's, it's kind of like turning a, a male into a cloven too. Well, let's just let's just go back to let, let's go back to the best example of this. What did Laban say to Jacob and his two daughters when they were leaving, when they fled, and he caught up with them? Didn't he say the children are my children, and the daughters are my daughters? That's what he said. Amen. So, like, so, like, we have you could have. Azazel having children through other males. Well, you go to Genesis 38. Genesis 38 gives you a very good... I mean, Genesis 38 is basically giving you commentary on Genesis 6. And I, I know we did this years ago, but we went deep into that whole rabbit hole with uh, Judar and Tamar and uh, what happened with, uh, with those sons. So Ur... And Onan, I mean that whole rhyme. Because how can you have sons from your? Uh, how can you have sons for your brother? So you're literally getting in that commentary when he talks about spilling the seed on the ground, and you go into the the roots of all those words. You're going to, I mean, you'll see things. I know you know this, but the listener may not. But there's there's a whole lot of commentary that will help people to understand mechanically uh, what we're describing. Okay, let let me read the first paragraph. Of the article that I wrote, so that so that you can get the full gist, so you know what's what's going on here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is published at according to the scripture.wordpress.com. Chimeras for the scapegoat. Imagine, if you will, a leukemia patient receives a bone marrow transplant. This bone marrow, in effect, saves their life. Life goes on until it takes a sudden and unexpected turn. DNA tests are performed on the leukemia survivor, and now their DNA is not their own. In a way, this was always the hope of the survivor. The bad blood in their own bones was replaced by the good blood in the donor's bones. Then the next turn goes right off a cliff. After four years, it is determined that both their lips and cheeks have been infected by the donor's DNA. That's not the bottom of the cliff. What lies at the bottom of that cliff is the grim reality that his sperm is entirely overlaid 
by the donor's DNA. Look. Look up this article, what I wrote. Literally, if this what the mark of the beast is, man, I know this is blowing the tops of your heads off. I know that. If Azazel does this when he comes out of the abyss, everybody on this planet will run around and have relations with their wife, but they're going to be having his babies. Is that clear enough for everybody? This is not science fiction. Please go and look up the article. So so now I think I realize why he would do this. It's because Daniel chapter 2 says that Azazel can't mate anymore. He himself can't have any children, but if he could get his DNA into other humans who could have children, so that indirectly yeah. he would be having children. That's why I published this article, Aaron. I thought you read it. I mean, your daddy did publish it. Well, go back to go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Who was it that went? It was the men of the village, right? So the men needed to go and mix their you know, mix their uh, mix their genetic profile with the angels, so they could go and have children of renown. I mean, this is this is known. Um, this is, and like I said, Genesis thirty-eight gives you a very good commentary and reference for exactly about you know how this how this process works mechanically. Well, yes, it does. Um, let me say it one more time. I don't know if I mentioned it. The episode that Aaron keeps referencing is uh, Christian Conspiracy Theory, The False Prophet, The Third Witness. Um, anyway, uh, wow. I personally need to take a deep breath and make sure that everybody said what, what was on their mind. So, Joe, uh, do you have anything to add to the conversation? I'm, I'm not wanting to, you know, be unfair here. No, not at all. Um I've got I've got this verse ringing through my head is uh Hebrews 4:12. Um I'll just I'll just read it. I don't it's just it's just ringing through my head. So I'll just read it. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It just, I don't know, just with the joints and the marrow, soul and spirit, it just, it just rang it in my head right at the moment. Well, <laughs> oh my goodness, I just need to say this because I was going to discuss this with, with Aaron because we were going to do a, another Christian conspiracy theory on this very thing. Because you'll take note, what's being mentioned here is the Trinity. That's what's being mentioned. But here it says soul and spirit, okay? But then it takes the body and divides it into two. It divides the body into joints and marrow. Well, in this particular translation, uh, which was the New American Standard Bible. Uh, but uh, I hadn't got this far uh, with Aaron yet. But here it plainly states that, well, yes, body, mind, and soul. And it says, you know, the, the mind, uh, the soul, or the spirit. At any rate, all of us use different terminology. That's how they've di divided us. But here, it doesn't say body. It divides that between joints and marrow. And it is in this crucible that you find out that 
is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. You see it just divided it again in between the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you get into the Greek here, and it's, well, it will blow your mind. So, okay. um, boy, this is, this is a deep, this is a deep, 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 deep uh, subject here. Let's get Aaron's comments. Aaron, your thoughts. Yeah, this is, so this, this idea that you can kind of split through, well, when you say the Trinity, you can, in a sense, I'm not going to, uh, don't get me wrong when I say you can split the Trinity, uh, because ultimately you can't separate the, uh, the, the three persons, but when we say, when the Book of Revelation says there are seven spirits of God, ultimately that gives an implication that there are, you know, a, like a division in a sense that can go through each person in the Trinity. You can, uh, what is seven? My dad described this to me when I was younger. He, like, this is how he described to me the, the, uh, well, specifically the cherubim and what the what the what the number of seven, four and three specifically meant in the scripture. And he described this with a color wheel. We have the three primary colors, which are red, blue, and yellow. Those are the three primary colors. So we have that. So say, for instance, that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are represented by these three. Then there's a fourth color, and that is uh, that is white. And this appears on the color wheel in the middle, where the, the three colors come together. This is red, blue, and yellow all in one. They form white. And in this sense, this would be what we would call the Trinity. This is where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit become one, is this, 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 uh, this white, in a sense. But you can further divide the color wheel into uh, how you mix up. The, uh, these are called the tertiary and the primary colors. The tertiary are purple, green, and orange. So those are basically mixing the main, three main primary colors. So, in a sense, there are, you could say that there is, God can be, is not, Simply a trinity. That's that's the it's the simplest you can divide him into is in, into a trinity it, it, in our minds. But you can break it down even more into seven. These seven spirits of God mentioned in my theory. So like when 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 David here is mentioned mentioning how uh, how the body is divided into uh, bone and marrow, and how you have the the soul divided into intent and thoughts. It, it, it makes sense to me that this is basically referring to the, how, how you can further break down. Uh, I don't think break down is the right word for it. It's very hard to explain because, like I said, you can't break God. You can't separate the three persons of God in any way. They are one. But but in well, a sense, like in our studies of it, yeah, you could divide it, his person. Yeah. Would a, would a decent way, like – What's popping in my melon is the angles of a prism, of a prism. Yes, you're you you don't break them, you bend mm -mm. them. Right. Uh, this is uh, part of the etymology for firmament. Remember, this is 
This is how they overlaid the Urk with gold. They hammered it extremely thin. The, the firmament is extremely thin. So they would hammer out this gold and overlaid the Ark. Yeah, it's this, this same idea that, that you can you can bend it or stretch it. This is exactly what a prism does. And I appreciate that these conversations are meant for my children and not the public. And Aaron just kind of spilled the beans uh, to some of what it's like to be homeschooled by somebody like me. So I appreciate that Aaron, he didn't even hesitate. He said, oh, yeah, this is just like uh, the prism, duh. Uh, that's that's God breaking apart the light so we could see it. So, but yes, you you don't divide it, Joe. But you do understand the the bending that is done through the prism. Right. Uh, so it's like a bow, Joe. It it it. it well, it's well. <laughs> you know how does God relate to us information that's supposed to be contained in our little bitty brain between our ears? So, and then on top of that, he's got to use six thousand year old language. So this is this is what we got. So, well, well, how about this? I mean, he he gives us in John uh, the first chapter exactly how this works. He says they were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. So you're literally getting the different ways in which a new man or a new woman is created: blood, will of the flesh, will of man. God. So when you understand mechanically that there's four different ways that this process can happen, um, one of those ways is really not um, is really not a good is not a good thing. It's it's the thing that um, caused them to be punished in Genesis six. It's the thing that they were punished for um, in Genesis thirty eight. Um, it's it's very problematic. Um, amen. Amen. Uh, and we could spend a whole day right there. Anybody else's comments? No, not at the not at the moment. Okay, well, um, you know this this has serious implications here. Just just one more thing to say on this subject. I mean, sure. everybody's mind is blown, and they're saying you're saying angels having children, but what people are getting caught up in is is a is the sex act of that. And that's really not the point. The point is, is that you've been professing John 3.16 since you became a Christian and the the divinity of Christ, which is that Mary was visited and became pregnant and had a child. And that mechanism is the same mechanism that's being used other places, because we know from Ecclesiastes that what has been is what will be. We know that from Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, verse 9. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is that which will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. And the thing about God is is that the same mechanisms he uses are available to, to creation. Um, he's just so far ahead of us and so far ahead of the princes that even though we know exactly what he's doing, we're just not, we're not, able, to, we're not able to undo his plan. I mean, he he even gives you the he gives you the code. He gives you the um, all the plays he's going to call, and you still don't have a chance. He's going to do exactly what he intends to do. So just accept it. It's the same exact mechanism that we're describing right now is the same one that you cling to every December twenty fifth. Same exact thing. <laughs> he just had to slam Christmas, didn't he? <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> that's not going to go over well. Um, hey, man. I mean, I, I mean, I, I have to hold myself to the same standard I hold everybody else to. I mean, hey, man. Hey, man. Um, hard words. Well, I mean, that's where we're at, though, because people will, will accuse you of being a conspiracy theorist or all these other things, but you're describing the same exact mechanism that they cling to, that is their ho- that their hope lies in. And yes, that mechanism works. It's just that mechanism is um, is not unique. It was used on in Genesis six. Um, they tried it again with Sodom and Gomorrah, and um, the giants and that whole lineage is derived from this. And it's a very sad thing because there is no place for those for those things. Amen. Yeah, it's, just, it's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, ultimately, like I understand what, what what he's saying, but I mean, don't let's please make sure the audience does not get confused into that 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 Jesus was like a Nephilite. Mary did not have sex. She was she was a virgin. But when you, but how? Let's try to conceive in our mind. How was Mary? How did Mary become pregnant while she was a virgin? Did the Holy Spirit literally? We know the Holy Spirit can take the physical form. He took the form of a dove. The the Gospels do say that he took a bodily quote unquote form. So he did physically become a dove. So the Holy Spirit can become a physical being. So did the Holy Spirit become a sperm cell? With the DNA and everything, does that make it, is that possible to any of you, or, or, or does that sound too? What do you think? Oh well, it sounds like you're trying to provoke your dad. That's what it sounds like to me. And you know, I got a very short fuse. But I will state this: that I'll throw another one back at you. Okay. Well, let's do this one t- one more time. Let's take Hebrews and swallow it. Let's just try to do that. Okay, so Hebrews says that Adam, well, he was the first Adam, and Jesus is the final Adam, correct? Does everybody agree with me, yes or no? Amen. Amen. Okay, so what happens if the Holy Spirit was hanging out generation to generation to generation in stem cells, and he used the stem cell dormant in Mary to conceive Jesus? That's another one off the hook because obviously Adam was still hanging out uh, thereby genetically, right? Yep. So that's possible too. But did the Holy Spirit become a sperm cell? Um, well, this is all hypothetical, but uh, well, when the rubber hits the road, we believe. We Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you thought that understanding was a requirement to belief? Oh, no, it's not. No, no. Who 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 told you that? Yeah, I can see. I mean, in a, a sexual reproduction, um, normal sexual reproduction, if that happens, you have half your mother's DNA, half your father's DNA. And this did not happen with Jesus. Jesus had all of his mother's DNA. Mary, I mean, he didn't have a father, basically. Except for his heavenly father. So, did did Jesus literally have God DNA? I, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that's possible. But 
Um, but but obviously, if this did happen, if he did become a sperm cell in a sense, then Jesus did not uh, did not contain um, half Holy Spirit. Didn't have half God. He didn't have half Mary because that's what happens in sexual reproduction. So um, I don't know. I mean, what I said was pretty flimsy. Um, but 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 trying to understand how how Mary did how this actually did occur within Mary. But with that said, with um the with the stem cells, how um Jesus would have had 100 uh, percent. I think it's most plausible to me that Jesus had 100 percent DNA from Mary, because he was completely man. So he would have had 100 percent DNA from Mary, but uh, so it's possible that this. Uh, that the, the stem cells were involved with this somehow, but yeah, just just throwing that out here. I mean, I mean. Well, remember. This is a, this is, remember, forgive me for interrupting, but remember, when when Abram and Sarah's and Sarai's names were changed, they were inverted. Everything that Abraham had that he lost was given to Sarah. And. You know, in there is a hint to what you're what you're talking about, and and the problem for most of us, I think, is is we cling to the whole notion of this the, of the sex side of things. You know, even even uh, with Jacob, with the two sisters, and that's really the least important piece of all of this. Um, what's important is that children are derived from four different ways: blood, will of the flesh, the will of man. Or of God. Amen. Amen. I can't, I can't argue with that. Amen. Amen. And perhaps we need to really come to grips with, I don't know, um, Luke one thirty five. What does episkopos mean? I mean, that's what it says uh, to overshadow there in the Greek. That's what it says. Maybe someday in the future we need to come to grips with what's being stated there. I mean, because uh, that's what God said. I mean, with, with our tongue, um, New American Standard Bible, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. G1982. And for that reason, now he comes right out. I mean, you don't have a problem telling you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So he comes right out and tells you. It's just perhaps, well... I mean, I've never did any extreme exegesis on this publicly, but if you want to know what God meant, yeah, he just told you. He didn't have a problem telling you. Well, and doesn't he say in Hebrews he's the physical imprint of God's will? So literally, I mean, the, being overshadowed, literally saying to you that the DNA, the, the genetic profile was literally etched into her DNA. I mean, we know that if I take my arm and I, if I'm a truck driver, and I have my arm resting on the side of my truck every day for the next 20 years. I'm going to have a lot more DNA damage than I will on my on my right arm because it's you know that D, your DNA is exposed to that light, and that light causes free radical damage to the genetic information that it's exposed to. So when you say that he, that that uh, she was overshadowed, you're literally saying that that her egg was etched with the genetic information that it needed to express. Well, amen. I mean, you look at look at overshadow. What does that mean? You go to skia. That that is the Greek word there, root skia. 
shade. It literally means shade or shadow. Yes, what you just and what did the angel say? You know this 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 illuminating presence of the Lord. Some, well, exactly what you just said. That's what you just described. But I'll take you one further. I'll take you one further. The Lord your God is supposed to do this to you. Let me read it for you if you are con, you know confused. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. So, me and my son was just talking about this tonight. We have definable list of who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. No debates about it. No debates. And we have multiple lists given in the New Testament. If you do these things, you are not a Christian. Just, just accept it. So, here we have in these verses that, you know, I once uh, was a sinner. I once was a rebel. And uh, then God offered me a pardon. If I reject that pardon, and yes, you can, ladies and gentlemen, reject uh, a pardon. I mean, if you get pardoned by the local governor or by the president and you reject that and say, no, I am guilty, give me the chair. Uh, you really can do that. You really can. So that's what this verse just came – well, like I said earlier, God really don't care. He's no respecter of persons. He really don't care what you think. So let me read it one more time so you understand what he said. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, and behold, new things have come. So we're going one step further. Uh, once you become a Christian, uh, it's supposed to literally create a new creature. His He overshadows our DNA. Amen. Um, Amen. 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 Uh, one thing that does come to mind was the uh, Shroud of Turin. Uh, th that imprintation um, on a piece of material, um, it reminds, you know, no, though it was not genetic, it seemed that that was quite a sign of, of just exactly what we were talk or have been talking about, that, that imprintation. Uh, Amen. And Aaron did some uh, work on the Shroud uh, itself. Aaron? Uh, can you shed some light on these things? Now, everybody needs to understand, this is not anything that I've looked at. I've never looked at the sh uh, Shroud of uh, Turin, or however you pronounce it, Turin, or or whatever. But Aaron has looked at it, so, so maybe he can bring the listener up to speed. Aaron, just exactly what is this Shroud that Joe is talking about? Okay, so this is supposedly the cloths that were laid on Jesus' body while he was in the tomb. And they say that ha they have Jesus' uh, physical features imprinted in them. I haven't done a super hardcore study, but I, I heard something about, like, uh, the. it seems that the image was burned into the... In, in, into the cloth, as if the, the light coming from his body whenever he was... Well, I, literally, whenever he was resurrected, his body transformed. Say that, in a sense, it was it was the light that came from him burned his appearance into the shroud. This is the uh, this is the so-called uh, this is the legend of it. So we do presently have the shroud of Turin. They've done some uh, scientific studies on it, and then they, they said it seemed as if. 
it was the, the image was burned in, and it and it was. It's pretty amazing if you look at it. It looks pretty. It looks a lot like. I mean, take people's artwork from back then. You have the artwork in the time of Jesus, you know, and, and until the Renaissance, were like it was garbage. But this is. But the Shroud of Turin looks pretty authentic. It looks like a real person. I mean, you could argue, argue maybe if you know somebody as advanced as like Caravaggio, which my dad was mentioning, talking to me earlier, had painted it. He 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 was born like hundreds of years after Jesus. But I mean, so so is it possible that that it is an actual authentic uh, relic, quote unquote? Uh, I don't know. It is possible. Um, the, so that's what I know about. Yeah, the research that I've done was um, they they allowed. Uh, a, a small swath of it to be uh, examined uh, by the scientific community. And from my understanding, uh, from what they discovered, was that it was, uh, like Aaron said, it was etched. Um, the closest thing that we have technology-wise that would even be close is a very, very low wattage uh, laser, uh, some, 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 sort of, some sort of focused uh, photon that would have etched into that uh, fabric. But um, they could not replicate it, um, but that was the closest thing that they could come up with and that it was not uh, painted. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was something uh, that they said that was, it was uh, definitely a, a release. Uh, what their conclusion was that what it was a release, a massive release of, or a, a release of energy, a release of light that would have done that um, to that cloth and that was that was their conclusion and that was that was a few years ago um that I had looked at that but I thought it was very interesting that the man that uh um was presenting it was um I'm trying to think of where he was located but he was uh from Israel he a Jewish man and uh he was the one it actually uh well it was very I don't know if it, if if he uh, quote unquote, you know, converted um, right away. But uh, it was it was one of those things that uh, he wanted to get to the bottom of, and the evidence was they uh, very overwhelming, and this was something that uh, he felt that he needed to share uh, with the. So I thought the whole story, uh, just in that regard, was very very interesting. That this was uh, actually. Uh, kind of became his testimony um, that uh, this was real, that uh, this uh, everything in, in the the New Testament was real. So this was uh, to him. He kind of held this very dear this evidence. So that's that's what I the backstory that I know of. Well, this is precisely what the uh, what science tells us when when DNA is hit with the photon of light, certain of the base pairs inside of DNA react to that and it changes the structure of the DNA. And that's, you know, that's exactly what, what uh, we've been talking about. So um, it, it wouldn't be surprising to me if, it, if that was an authentic relic, as Aaron said. Um, but that's exactly the mechanism that we're describing. So what you just said was, was the, the, the DNA can be changed by this sort of lighting. Yes. So is this what happened when Jesus' body transformed, when he had a new body? Is this what happens when we're resurrected? Is our biological makeup changed? Is the 
sin of Adam burned out, in a sense, through this process. So this is what was happening to Jesus, and that same energy that was doing that etched his form into the, the shroud. Uh, yeah, I think that's what we're saying. Although, uh, <laughs> we're, um, we can't prove that. But yes, it would appear that is exactly what happened. Uh, so that is probably why uh, everybody needs to uh, look this up, of course. G1982 is what is used there uh, in the first chapter of Luke uh, to overshadow. It means to envelop in a haze of brilliancy. Um, uh, uh, Michelson's, of course, says that it, it, it figuratively means to invest with preternatural influence. It comes right out and, and tells you about the Greek there. So, yeah, to overshadow means... Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can't have a shadow without light. It is light that cast a shadow. Okay, so... Literally, the light of the Lord, our God, uh, 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 shined on Christ's corpse, and, well, the shadow changed, <laughs> okay? Normally, when light hits something, uh, it casts a perfect representation of that thing uh, on the nearest object. Well, literally speaking, the light shone on... Uh, uh, this corpse, but it cast a shadow of the living, and somehow it, uh, well, uh, God just said so. I mean, that's that, that's what happens. I mean, everything that happens is because God spoke. Uh, that's what he said so, so, I mean, we may not understand it, but yes, uh, in effect, that's what the Greek is trying to say, that, that, that somehow uh, the brilliance of the Lord our God um, rewrote his DNA. Uh well, how about this? How about the white robes of righteousness that we know that the saved will be wearing in eternity? What if that is nothing more than a mechanism to hold that wave-particle duality in, in a structure uh, which which is actually uh, um, uh, contains a boundary? Well, I well, I'm sorry, I disagree with you. The exact opposite is what I think. That this garment becomes like the uh, a garment that was around the tabernacle. It doesn't prevent what is outside from getting in. No, 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 no. I think it takes the Lord's purity and contains it within our body. So, so just the opposite of what you just said is is what I think the scripture is saying is that these new garments they um, they keep the light from escaping out of us. Amen. Um, Amen. That, I mean, that could be. I mean, that that makes sense. I, I'm just say I'm just describing a mechanism, and the inversion of it may be the mechanism. But the the point being is is that we have uh, material or information which is which is reflecting, and without a boundary, that's going to um, pass endlessly everywhere, right? But if it is held in place by these white robes of righteousness, then you can have a form and a structure. Um, that identifies a specific individual. Maybe that's what that is. Well, a amen. Um, <laughs> I think we're all talking way above our pay grades, but uh, amen. we're we're trying to 
you know, a process here, and we've got these little bitty microprocessors, and, you know, this this is off the hook. This is unhinged, uh, whatever we're talking about. We Well, what it seems that, to me, what, what this whole conversation is, we came from Jesus' virgin birth to his resurrection. And what... And we're talking about how this, the same light that could have etched his appearance into the shroud could have been that same process could have could, can change DNA, and perhaps the 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 glory of the Lord, which of the Father, which overshadowed Mary, perhaps this was this DNA altering, you know. The mode of the, the mode that God used to alter her egg cells so that she could beget a son, she could have a child without a, without a physical father, and this is also the mode by which God will purify our bodies. Whenever we are resurrected, we're given a new body, and how the Lord will purify us is this method is is with this with this uh low photon light or whatever what he said it, it alters our dna so it takes the sin of adam out and that was really what it is ultimately i've actually took a class on this about how the sin of adam has affected the entire universe all of creation suffers because of adam's sin and what we all of the you know the things that our bodies have to suffer, you know, uh, death, sickness, things like that, all of that is due to the sin of Adam. But when we're resurrected, those things aren't going to be a problem with us anymore. We become a new creation, a new being in a sense. And this is what happened to Jesus when he changed. And yes, me and my dad, we did uh, a conversation on this on the way back home tonight was well, we, we talked about how Jesus had to have had been born with the original sin of Adam because he died and since he was entirely man he would have had to have the original sin with him I, I do not believe that in, in the Catholic notion that every child, every person suffers the guilt of the sin as if a person will literally be punished for the sin of Adam uh, because we suffer the consequences of the sin of Adam. And so Jesus, he also had to suffer those consequences because he had to die. If, if, he, if he had not, also he would have to have lived with a sinful nature because if he didn't have a sinful nature, he, temptation would have been useless. And if he had not been tempted and choose good, he would have not been a perfect sacrifice. So ultimately, Jesus did have the original sin in his body. His body suffered the sin of Adam. But when his resurrection occurred, he became a new creature. All of that was perhaps burned out gen on a genetic level with this light, in a sense. Well, um, well, amen. Uh, looks like uh, the bride could uh, could jump on with us. So, so let's just uh, let me answer uh, that, and then and then we will. Uh, uh, dovetail the Brian here, but um, let's consider these things. Okay, if this be true, let's read this single verse, and let's see what would happen if you took the mark of the beast. 
Okay, let's 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 try to come to grips with what Christ the King said. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. So, and it goes on. Well, maybe I should just go ahead and, and finish it. Verse 35. Then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illuminated as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. So, uh, that being said, that finishes uh, the thought there. Uh, Brian is out of the loop. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, get his uh, uh, opening comments uh, and uh, give us an update as to how things have been going with him. So, uh, Brian, uh, we've been going on here for quite a, a, a pace, but go ahead, jump right on in and uh, uh, let us know how things have been going and, and what you've been looking at here as of late. All right. Well, let's see. I went over the uh, set of three chapters that you sent me earlier, and it's you know it's obvious, fairly obvious to me. The one thing that stands out, of course, is in Jeremiah where it states this um, punishment is being put out because of the fact that they worship the host of heaven. First uh, Kings had some interesting little tidbits in the midst of it. I noticed I. Uh, you know, took special note of the fact that the lion suddenly appears from out of nowhere and kills the guy and leaves him by his donkey. And the uh, second kings had some real interesting uh, historical tidbits with uh, Pharaoh Nico, and I can't remember if that was actually the Battle of Kadesh or if that's a different one, but I've read historical documentation on that battle that's brought up there. Well, uh, certainly. Uh, and Aaron and I was just talking about this the other day, once again, the Battle of the Ten Kings, that uh, somehow does this have anything to do with those four angels bound at the great river Euphrates? Because uh, uh, we all have to come to grips with this. Uh, historically speaking, uh, well, uh, this pharaoh, Necho, he was stopped right there, so... Uh, Aaron, can you uh, share a little bit about that, uh, what you and I have talked about before, that that Necho could have something to do with this because that, that battle, he, he was stopped right there, correct? Uh, can you elaborate on that, Aaron? Yeah, uh, which is, what's, what's really interesting about this is uh, the, the one who went into battle with this Pharaoh Necho was Josiah, who we were talking about earlier. Just wanted to point that out. And the, the significance of Pharaoh Necho is that he's the only Egyptian pharaoh who ever traveled that far from his country. That's the furthest any Egyptian king had ever gone. And that was all the way up to the river Euphrates. And the story goes that when Josiah came up to fight with him, the pharaoh said, my gods told, you, told me that you should not come up and fight against me. But Josiah did anyway, and Josiah was killed in the battle. Okay, most English translations will render it and say that God himself told Pharaoh, 
but the problem with that is is that fair uh, that word for God in uh Hebrew is plural, and God's name is more often than not in the Hebrew Bible is a plural name so so it's it, it can be confusing it can be talking about gods like other gods or it could be talking about God himself in the Trinitarian form, which is not the same uh, as having plural gods. Just God himself is plural, has more than one person, but the same God. So saying that, when 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 Pharaoh said that he was visited by his Elohim, the, the Greek seems to point out that he was talking about his gods told him. And uh, I theorize that perhaps these were the uh, – these had to do with these four angels bound in the river Euphrates – after all, Necho had gone to battle at the river Euphrates. This is where all of these things happened. But this is how Josiah died, was in battle with this Necho. Well, there you have it. I mean, you put all the pieces to the puzzle together, and you're scratching your head. What did Aaron just say? Well, let me reiterate. I mean, sometimes it takes a couple of times for people to absorb. Brian brought up the simple fact that the Battle of the Ten Kings happened right there at the Euphrates, and this was Pharaoh Necho. Aaron brings up the simple fact that, yes, the book of Revelation comes out and tells you that there's four angels bound there. Are these Pharaoh Necho's gods that told him about Josiah? This is what makes sense. You really don't have to like it. But um, everybody knows that when it comes to the Elohim, you just have to come to grips with, well, what some people call um, the divine council, yada, 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 yada. Um, you just have to come to grips with this. So is this what is referenced here that actually God's expecting you to know who's bound at the river Euphrates? It's obvious to to everybody uh, that God was talking about. Well, duh, yeah, there's four angels there. That, that was Pharaoh Necho's God. We have no idea, but this very well may be what you know God is expecting us to know. This it's just that we're all too caught up uh, in the Super Bowl. You know, we're all too caught up in uh, the World Series, for Pete's sakes. I mean, the, it very well. I sure know you are, Dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know you sure are, Dad. No, um yeah, he's never a strict guy. Uh, no, we, we we've actually had the Super Bowl in our hometown. It was going on and I didn't even know who won it and guys at work made fun of me. Uh but anyway, um uh very interesting that uh, everything that we've covered so far and let me say this uh, again, I've mentioned several things here that that everybody needs to uh look at uh you know for for context. Uh we mentioned one Okay, uh, that um, is on according to the scripture wordpress dot com. It's an article there. Uh, chimeras for the scapegoat. We have mentioned uh, uh, the show that uh, me and Aaron did. Uh, it's called the False Prophet, the Third Witness. Uh, just so everybody knows for some background information. So. What happens uh, if if this is what the mark of the beast does? That uh, we know from leukemia patients, if you get a bone marrow transplant, this article proves your sperm becomes the donor's DNA. 
literally speaking, once the darkness has entered your bones, does it permeate? We, we just don't know. Why is it that when the fallen get here, they demand the proof of the pyre? Why, why is that? Why is there this reference to the uh, – well, I mean that's just what it was called. It's the ancient funeral pyre. Uh, they would build this structure and, and burn the bones. We don't know, but this is what happens. The fallen demand proof of the pyre. They want the bones as evidence uh, that you are who you say you are and that you have the right to be the head of your household. What happens if – well, remember some of the prophetic books, ladies and gentlemen, that says that, yeah, seven women will grab one man and say, please take us as your wife. Remember that? What if this is under the enforcement of the fallen? Oh, nobody was expecting me to say that, was they? What if we go back to the Bible and we go back to the patriarchal system and the angels walk around and say, uh, who are you? No, there can only be one head of your household and you have to obey him and he has to obey us. See what I'm trying to say? This could get real ugly real quick. And then all of these feminists would be running around to uh, these men trying to get somebody to marry them because the fallen's going to throttle them. If they do not have a head of household. Now, does it make sense? Maybe terrifyingly so to some of you. So, we have to push the envelope. We have to talk about these things. We have to throttle our faith. You have to, well, exercise your faith, you know. You have to keep yourself in shape. To physically keep yourself in shape, you have to you know, do calisthenics, do push-ups, do jumping jacks, run around the block. We also need to exercise our faith because the Lord your God is coming. I know that most of you don't understand that. Most of you think that Jesus is going to come back uh, on a, a bed of roses singing Kumbaya and Will of the Wisp all of you away to heaven. I know that's what you think. But please consider this. The Lord your God, he who sitteth upon the throne... He said he's coming, and when he gets here, he's going to rattle your cage. And it would behoove me to prepare you all by getting you to exercise your faith. So, let's give the mic back to Brian uh, for more comments, commentary. He could take this wherever he wants to go. Uh, Brian, the mic is yours. Well, there's a few things that came up when you were uh – Mentioning everything you brought up there, uh, you know, the one big thing to point out, the River Euphrates. Now, if people realize this or not, it's definitely a major border. You cross over that river and you keep going east, you end up in the Kings of the East Territory. Nobody has crossed that boundary. Alexander the Great didn't, not any of them. Who did cross it? The Kings of the East. Um, another thing that comes to mind when you were bringing up uh, everything there at the end is uh, the man being the covering. And then, of course, we had that infamous, uh, you know, a little bit strange at first glance mention of the angels and the women's hair. Yeah. 
Yeah, what does everybody think about that, uh, this mention of the women's hair? Uh, Joe, Brian, or Aaron, anybody's thoughts on that? Because that really is just kind of hangs you out to dry. I know this much. Uh, it's genetic. I mean, you can – I mean, if police can find a hair sample on a crime scene of the – perpetrator they can usually they can catch him pretty easily it's a uh, hair has a significant amount of dna on it that that's that, that could be one thing i mean how we've been mentioning about the significance of bone marrow as far as dna i mean that's possible another thing is uh i don't know how in the scripture it is said that the angels took wives of whomever they chose and that gives the implication that they raped them in a sense. They, uh, my dad always taught me that he that they used they manipulated their minds to do with them whatever they wanted. Ultimately, this goes back to if if you read when it says that the angels saw the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were valuable. In the original Hebrew, it says they were valuable or good for them. So they were picking out who was genetically uh, fit for their children, who would ever bear them the greatest child. So they would take whoever they wanted, who would ever do the best as a mother for their child. So with that being said, could they do this? The, the scripture that was was referenced here about the women, it says that the women's hair is a sign of authority because of the angels, quote-unquote. So could we say that somehow the hair served as a protection from, well, like angelic intrusion into the mind? I don't know. That sounds strange to me, but, I mean, that's a possibility. Anybody else? Okay. Hold on, yeah, I'm kind of looking something up here really quick. Um, oh. <laughs> okay, Where are you first. guys reading this from? I, I guess I didn't get those notes. <laughs> what? It's it's described that they have hair like women. You don't. Know oh, women? okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Okay. Got but, it. Boy, good for you. Therefore, yeah, I was getting ready to say what. Let me take you aside and wear you out. What do you mean you don't know where that's at? <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know what you, uh, uh, Brian mentioned something about Bible verses or some references, and I didn't have them, so I just was a little bit um, – wasn't sure what, if we were as an article or something. No, we, uh, we were also uh, talking about this on the latest Christian conspiracy theory. Uh, not that anybody can get it yet. It's going to take a few weeks. But we uh, went over uh, – Know, what, what what different types is there? Because uh, there is such a thing as Nephilim typology. Uh, there are serpents and scorpions. Uh, so we went over a couple of different options as to how they could be different. But this this is true. Why does the Bible say that these entities have the hair like women? Um, I boy, I don't. Well, know. wouldn't that imply that they're? I mean, uh, that's a covering. Um, this isn't just a complete lawlessness. Uh, there's an order. Um, I would imagine, to me, on um, first blush, my, my first instinct is is that it's inferring that there is an order, uh, that there's a hierarchy. Um, 
that they are following orders. They're not just behaving uh, well, uh, randomly. Well, we no, no, that's not inferred. That's declared. Uh, they have this king over them. Uh, you know, and, and it gives his name in several different languages there. So that is the case. And you're saying that it's stating this in a different way by saying it has the cover of a woman. Uh, amen. Well, you see, in when you see in the book of Joel, and Joel, it, it describes the locusts. It gives three different types. I always interpreted this as referring to three different ranks. Of course. These angels. Well, how, how about the genetic uh, aspect of it? Because, again, that would imply to me that um, they're not passing down their own genetic material. They're passing down the genetic material that they were um, – that uh, was given to them by the by their leader. Yeah, I would – I'd have to agree uh, that they would have to have his markers because, well, they're under his authority. So they would have to have his markers. That's, a, that's the thing about it. We, 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 it's not like we can dissect and study an angel to to know how genetically they work, but we know this much. They probably are nothing like a being on Earth. All from what you can study all living things on our planet are common based life forms. We come from the dust. The scripture is pretty clear that the beasts of the field just like humans came up from the ground, came up from the from the earth. So the angels weren't. They're, they're different. And we know they weren't meant to marry or have children. We also talked about in the show on Christian Conspiracy Theory last one, how they can uh, polymorph their DNA to match up with other animals and other organisms. Well, well how about a lion DNA. pride? I mean, how, how about a lion pride? It's that, that alpha male is the one that is inseminating that entire pride. There there are other male lions that might get eventually kicked out, but they're there assisting um, prior to that point. But all of the genetic material is coming from that alpha male. Or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely correct. But, but um, so so on a genetic level, um, are angels different in that sense? Do like what my dad said. Could they? Could all the angel of the same platoon have the same genetic makeup as their captain? Is that possible? Perhaps. I, I always wondered this. It seems that all fallen angels seem to have come from Satan's troop. Is it because all angels are connected to their leader in some way? And because Satan's heart was turned against Adam and from the beginning, because this is what it seems like to me, Satan's heart was turned against Adam, that all of his angels replicated that same mindset to fall. And perhaps in the same sense, perhaps all of those angels have the same genetic identity as the leaders somehow. Well, maybe w this is why the Lord our God commanded us to have the patriarchal system. This is just a shadow and a, and a silhouette of what, well, Ben was just describing. Okay? You, you had Adam. He was the patriarch, right? And then, I hate to tell everybody, but this is real. 
uh, all of Israel came from Abraham, right? Well, maybe this is set up this way because it's merely a shadow of the host of heaven. Thoughts, anybody? That's what you should expect. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as above, so below. Brian, your thoughts? Well, when you take this in the reverse aspect and look at the uh, matriarch, I had talked about this probably a good year, year and a half back, about the work that was done by a woman uh, through the uh, Central Asia into Europe, um, where she discovered that all these societies were made up of matriarchs. And when you start looking at the artwork and everything associated with these groups that they've discovered in the archaeological digs, you really begin to wonder how much did this end up playing into the fact of what happened there in Genesis 6. Um, they've proven that this group of people was the first line that came from Central Asia and moved into Europe, and then you hit that infamous time frame where the flood um, falls right in place around uh, 3100 BC or so. And all of a sudden, you have the patriarch system coming from Central Asia, moving back in through Europe. So I think, you know, if you look at it from that standpoint, yeah, these things tend to line up. Well, that's pretty, well, disturbing to me in in, in one sense, because what would that look like? So, so if this would be an inversion of a patriarchal system – so one woman, this queen, would have a harem of men, and 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 the royal. Well, she wouldn't have a first son; she'd have a first daughter. So, well, I'm have to wrap my mind around that just for a second. Um, well, isn't that what happens with ants and with bees? I mean, you have a queen bee, and they they all of the children in the colony come from come from her, right? Well, are you insinuating that this is another reason why that they come out of the abyss looking like insects? I wasn't going there. I'm just looking to nature because nature should give us a shadow or a silhouette of what of what we should be expecting. And, and I think, again, Genesis 38, I mean, that whole treatise there with Judah and Tamar, go into your brother's wife and, and give him sons. I mean, that's 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 what we're talking about. I don't know. That's that's rather disturbing to think about. But, uh, well, Brian has brought up a, a very important point. Look, we have to come to grips with the kings of the East. Brian has found, studied, and shared the simple fact of this matriarchal system right in that neck of the woods. So, well, like I said earlier, sometimes you have to throttle your faith. You have to push the envelope, push it right out to the edge, and prepare yourself. So, oh my goodness, uh, this has gone on just a wee bit longer than the hour I had expected, because we're over two presently. So, Ben, uh, any further comments? Or uh, new topics you'd like to cover? I mean, that's that's all I can say on the subject that we're talking about right now. Joe, any further comments on the subject? 
I have got smoke coming out of my left ear, so I think that's that's about it. <laughs> hey, man. Aaron, did you have any further comments on these topics? Nope. All right. All right. So, uh, y'all have a good night. All right, everybody. Good night. All right, good night, guys. God bless, brothers. God bless. God bless. God bless. Godspeed, like my dad always says. (laughs) God bless. Godspeed. All right. Have a good night, guys.